Hey, if you ever heard the phrase, united we stand and divided we fall? The phrase itself was sort of coined back in America, um, sort of around the war, the wartime. So, you know, why did we stand? We've got to get on board. But actually, the origins come from the Bible. In Matthew chapter um, 12, verse 25, it sort of talks about, um, and it says, if a house be divided amongst itself, it cannot stand. And the idea is, is that the power of of being united, the power of, of standing together. United we stand, divided we fall. Today we, we conclude our series uh, called One Faith, and we put our faith in Jesus Christ. If we all put our faith in Jesus Christ, united we stand. As soon as we start to try and do things ourselves, we find there's limits, and we're going to get distracted we're going to get distracted by the world. Those selfish things are going to start to creep in and it's going to divide us. I believe we're a united church. So this is not a slap on the wrist, wrist, wrist. It's not a slap on the wrist message. It's not a slap on the wrist message. This is actually a message of encouragement, a message of joy, and a message of celebration. As a united church, we put Jesus where he rightfully deserves to be as we finish a series on one faith. Today, we actually have an opportunity at the end of the message to respond to the gospel. And so I'm excited to share what God has laid on my heart that's found in his word this morning. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we open up scripture today, I pray that you would show us what it is to be your united church. I pray that you would reveal to us what it looks like in reality when we see a united front from the body of Christ, something that is so attractive and so appealing that others are drawn into it, not for the glory of those that are doing the the actions, but because of who you are in their lives. I pray that in us being a united church, others would see you and want to be a part of the community, not because of the people, but because of the purpose. And Lord, I pray that we would continue to elevate Jesus Christ to his rightful place in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So what does it look like to be united? What what is, if if we're going to be united, what is the image? We've talked about the sort of the the theory of being united, but what what do we see to be united? What is the, the, if we were to see a united front, what does it look like? And and we've already seen that the clip was shown just in the the highlights reel. I'm going to show you a clip which may not, straight away show, make you think united because everybody's booing. It's not really a competitive you know, thing that we like when you're booing, but let's watch a clip and then I'll unpack it a little bit. United, boo. <laughs> what? What's going on in that clip? Well, firstly, a little bit of context. State Youth Games, a number of young families from our church went to go and serve and help out. One of the young families went over to be a part of it and, and brought their kids with them. And so while this clip is, while this sport was um, taking place called dodgeball, uh, the mum is helping out with the netball, and we saw a clip, glimpse of the netball fields, <laughs> just bucketing rain, um, while the dad is trying to keep the fires going at the campsite while the same bucketing rain's taking place. So parents are off serving. So what do you do while, your parents, while the parents are serving? 
Kevin, what do you do with your kids? Well, you, you give them to teenagers and you hope for the best. And so they, they gave them to the teenagers and now the, 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 the kids are running around with the teenagers and so what, what happens at State Youth Games? Well, we're about to play dodgeball. How do you play dodgeball? Well, you dodge the ball. Beautifully creative names. Um, but the way the dodgeball works is... Two teams, you throw balls at each other. If you get hit from the neck down, you're out. If you catch the ball on the full, the person that threw the ball is out. Last people standing is the winning team. So the idea is to throw the ball hard, fast and low. That's the, that's the dodgeball way, you know, trying, trying to get people out. And so young Harper, the, the youngest of the kids, goes to, to play this, this sport. And the, the youth and young adults say, well, why don't you play with us? Now... In worldly views, the goal is to win the game, right? You've got to win state youth games. You've got to get the win. You've got to get the, the mark. You've got to get the points to, to win state. You've got to get the other team out. But all of a sudden, something different starts, starts to take place when we elevate Jesus to his rightful place in our lives. And we start to see people different. We start to act different. We start to, to see the world through a different filter. And all of a sudden, the other team doesn't see Harper as the enemy because she was really small anyway, she was hard to see, but she, they didn't see her as the enemy, they saw her the way that Jesus sees her. Here's a precious little girl with potential, with hope, with dreams, somebody that's doing her part, she's not stagnant, she's doing her bit, she's trying to, trying to do as best as she can, but her abilities are small because she's small. But they can see that in her, so they go easy on her. And they go easy on her, and they go easy on her, and what ends up happening is it's Harper versus some strapping teenage boy. That's it. It's the face-off. Now, what happens when this, this is the finals? What sort of happens is that everybody, and you could hear the amount of people that you couldn't see in the video clip. There's a lot of people watching this. All the other teams are now watching this in the part of the video you couldn't see. And they're lining the sidelines, and everybody's like, what, what, Harper? They're all going, Harper, yeah, they're cheering on Harper. Harper's like, I don't know what's going on, there's people everywhere, and they're cheering her on, and, and she's throwing, and they're trying to throw balls low, and they're dodging, and the game's going on, and now the whole stadium's like all for Harper, and then Harper like throws the ball straight at the guy's chest, and he goes, oh, and everyone's like, boo, he's like, I'm sorry, now, now they're not booing him, what they're booing is that her time is over, the potential. The, the, the sport, the game, her input is over. And they're, they're disappointed that this has come to an end. Because what is it? That is unity. That team wasn't trying... The team felt bad that she went out. They weren't trying to win. Who was the winner? Harper. Who was the winning team? Who, out of all the memories that they had, what was the big memory? Here's an entire stadium cheering on the one. Here's the other team cheering on the one. Here's bystanders cheering on the one. You could see the Yorkie team just coming in, getting around her, cheering her on and encouraging her. This is what unity looks like. This is what the church looks like. This is what we're called to be. It doesn't always mean that we're sitting down with our Bibles and, and reading and holy, holy, holy. That's, that's good stuff to do. But, but in the real world, that is the church. Showing love, showing care, showing compassion, living it out in the day-to-day. -day. That is unification. This is what it looks like when you see people the way that God sees them and live it out. This is what we are called to be. And what a powerful image. That young girl's going to remember that for the rest of her life. 
I'm pretty excited about this message. (laughs) This is what Christ wanted for us. This is the power of family. This is the power of family. And where are the parents in this picture? (laughs) They're off doing other stuff. But Harper, was was she a member of a family then? Absolutely. Christian brothers and sisters, uncles and aunties, whatever you want to call it, the youth just getting around her, caring for her, protecting her, looking after her. You know, one of the, other, one of the leaders is like, no, nah, that's it, this is the end of the game, we're out. You know, saying this is an end, then straight to her. You know, like, like doing the leadership bit and making sure that the judges and all that know there's not more to go, this is it, it's out. And then loving on the individual. Just incredible. I also believe this is the power of, of parenting done right. Here's the parents entrusting their kids to, to youth is good um, within Christian circles. <laughs> but, you know, serving, but bringing their kids to that experience. But every single other young person in that room is seeing Harper the way that Jesus sees her and cheering her on and disappointed when, when the sport finished because they wanted her to win spiritually. Oh, it's an incredible picture. I actually believe this is the church here at Yorkie. I believe this is what it looks like to be, to be a member of God's church here. That we do things together. We, we, we cheer on the others. We, we see people with the filter, the lens that Jesus has for us. And, and yes, there's going to be exceptions. There's going to be moments when we fail. There's moments when I fail. Why? Because we're human. But God calls us to get up and go again. And the, the combined power of the body of Christ means that we are unified. And there's been moments this week where there's a young guy that was in hospital. And I've got to say, when the prayer request comes through, we just stop whatever you're doing and you pray. That's that's loving the one, that's seeing someone, valuing somebody the way that God sees and values them. It's the power of the gospel, the good news, and the power of a united church. To to catch people up, we've got got some visitors with us today and some new people in the church. We're just going to catch up um, to, to where we're at. So the past few weeks, we've been doing this series called One Faith. And we know that our one faith is in Jesus Christ. And in week one, we talked about how Paul's letters to the church, every one of his letters was addressing division. <clears throat> and all the divisions were about people's ideas and their, their thoughts and their practices. And Paul said that the answer to every division is to take the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel, and elevate that over your opinion. And when you elevate the gospel, everything else falls into place. And a unified church is a church that can move forwards with the kingdom. And so every issue, the answer is the gospel. Every division, the answer is Jesus. Week two, we looked at the idea of, well, to do this, we've got to put our faith in something. Do we put our faith in our abilities or do we put our faith in Jesus? And of course, we have one faith, and we choose to put that faith in Jesus Christ. Week three, we said, well, what does unity sort of, what, what does it look like a little bit in, in the practices that we can do? What things can we do? And, and in doing that, we talked about, well, people matter. So the way that we talk to people, our language, our tone really matters. And when we see people like Jesus sees them, it affects the way that we communicate and the way that we see others. Even if they vote for the different political party or they go for the different footy team, you can still love them as brothers and sisters if the gospel is in, is, is in its rightful place. Week four, we talked about having no limits and the idea of when we try and do things on our own, there's limits because we're human And we have limitations on our abilities and our emotions. But when we walk in the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit are limitless. Love has no limit. 
Generosity has no limit. Kindness has no limit. Compassion has no limit. And so we want to live a life of the gospel being first so that the Spirit can flow through us and we live limitless through his power in the areas that he wants us to serve. And week five, we got really practical. Anthony brought an incredible message about how do we start to live this out. And he talked about how, well, where our heart is there, our treasure is also. And if we set our eyes on Jesus, we set our eyes on things above, if we, set, if we look to Jesus, the, the more that we look to him through our eyes, sort of it's like the filter of our heart. So we've got to really focus in on Jesus. In doing that, our heart will shift and our treasure will shift. And we do that by spending time in God's word, spending time in prayer, and spending time with Christian brothers and sisters. So before we dive into to the scripture today, and if you are reading along, we'll give you um, a moment to find it. It's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, if you've got your Bibles or if you're um, looking on your phones, it, the words will be up on the screen as well. But before we dive into the, the passage, our key scripture today, I want to go through a verse. Yeah, I don't know if there's, you know there's verses in the Bible that when you get to them, you just kind of go, hang on. And if you're anything like me, when you get to one of those verses that sort of pull you up, you stop and whatever's said afterwards, you can't remember. Like you just sort of got stuck on that verse. Like, what does that really mean? What's going on? And, and you miss half the rest of the message because you're stuck on the verse. And so it's one of those verses in this passage. So we're going to stop on the verse and, and unpack it. But first, I want to ask you the question, who believes that it's God's word is the inspired word of God and we should take every single individual word as it's written, without altering or any context or anything else. No hands, wise. There's a few hands shot up straight away. They got really passionate at the last service, and then I showed this verse. Greet all, all God's people with a holy kiss. We're just going to pause for a moment and get biblical right now. Turn to the person next to you and... If you're visiting with us today, you're in for a treat. You know, oh. <laughs> you guys are brothers. What are you going to stop it? Stop it. <laughs> oh. Man, let's, let's unpack this. Firstly, the little disclaimer. I, I absolutely do believe this is the inspired word of God. Absolutely. Every single word in this comes from God himself through his people, uh, through the incredible stories he's done, through, through people over time. To me, it's the only thing that makes sense that this literature has lasted 2,000 years. They're written in different languages here in Ballarat, Victoria in 2022. It still makes sense. Yet in Cambodia, being translated into a different dialect, which is like on just size, like shirt, like man, it's just like cool like artwork sort of drawing stuff but even translated the context and the heart of the gospel still translates into different languages that's got to be the living word of God so I absolutely believe that this is God's word it's the living word it's God inspired and I believe that we shouldn't alter it and change it it's incredible but I also believe that it was written in a time in history and there's context that helps us unpack and actually brings a richness to God's word doesn't take away from it so we're going to unpack this verse just to show the power of God's word. Because usually we would get hung up on the word kiss. And it's the wrong word to get hung up on. Now in the culture, that was the greeting, right? We can do this really easy. It's the handshake. It's like greeting each other with a 
elbow bump or whatever we're doing at the moment? What's the, you know, the, the socially correct thing that we do? Or fist bump or high five or you know, whatever your handshake is. It's just greeting people. And that's what it says. It's just greet people. The kiss is the greeting. That's it. It's not that complicated. This is the, where the verse gets tricky though. Greet all. All God's people. After church, who do you hang out with in the foyer? Your little friendship group, the people you know? What about all? Are you greeting all God's people? What about people that you haven't met, people you haven't spoken to for a while, people that you've seen but you haven't said g'day, that person you had a fight with a few years back and you're still holding the grudge? Greet all God's people. Ooh, hang on, this is getting prickly. You know? This is, oof, man, God's word gets a bit uncomfortable sometimes, doesn't it? It's like, oh, man. But they smell. No, no, no. All, all God's people. And the word holy is another key word we've got to pull out of this passage. What does holy mean? You can answer that one. What does holy mean? Set apart. Exactly. Holy means set apart. Set apart means that, that they would set apart an animal, like God's holy nation. Like It's not an animal, but it was set apart. They, they would say this, this animal is holy and they would anoint it with oil. It means you, you are chosen, you are precious, you are special. And so what this passage is saying is this, greet all God's people as if they are set apart. They are special, they are valued, they are loved. See them as they are. Go out of your way to make sure that you are welcoming the body of Christ. And this is actually talking about the church. It's not talking about outside the church. It does. It does talk about it later. But it's saying, firstly, we need to be united before we go out and win the lost. We need to be united before we start doing things from others. So when people see us, they see Jesus. What unites us? The gospel. It's not our actions, it's not our deeds, not our abilities, it's the gospel. So part of this is we need to greet each other the way that God sees each and every one of us. That's one verse, only about 25 to go. (laughs) Let's dive into the the key passage. Now we've got that out of the way. I want to say out of the way, it's an awesome passage. We read this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting at verse 12. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard amongst you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you, hold them in the highest regard, in love because of their work. What are we saying here? Because this sort of sounds like, well, if you put the human filter on it, it's like people that do lots of stuff should be praised. That's not what it says at all. What it's saying here is this. Those who are working hard on you should be elevated because they're choosing to put God first. And by choosing to put God first, you see them live things out. By choosing God first, there was a bunch of teenagers that invested into a child. That's what it looks like. Good job, teenager. Good job, parent. Good job, church. Good job, youth ministry. Well done. We want to celebrate that because they're putting God first. We're not saying, oh, you're so gifted and talented and amazing, which which we can do. That's okay. But it's more about you're using your gifts to serve God. Well done. And it's, it's elevating that. Those who admonish you. Admonish means like encourage. Those that are celebrating and encouraging and building up and being excited. Before the, um, the 9 o'clock service, and, and I, I was really distracted, so it probably happened at the 11 as well. Um, but before the 9 o'clock service, there was like this whole group together, and they're laughing, and they're joking, and they're, they're just smiles all around. And it was our, our K team, our welcome team. 
And they're out there and they're just having a great time together. And there's something about their, their unity, their, their joy, their celebration, the fun, that all of a sudden I find myself like getting sucked into this group going, what's going on? Because the unification of just joy and serving God together is, is infectious and you just want to be a part of it. You just want to be drawn into it. You want to sign up and get, get amongst it because there's something attractive about unity. And when it comes to the church, the thing that is attractive is we're unified around Jesus Christ. He's beautiful people serving a beautiful God. And we just want to be a part of it. It was, it was, it was contagious. It was brilliant. <coughs> Excuse me. It says, live in peace with one another. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Now, the idea about warning the idle and disruptive means simply we don't want you to miss out. If you're idle, if you're not participating, you are missing out on what God's doing. We, we might want to miss out on the freezing cold state youth games, but we don't want to miss out on the stories. How amazing is it? We, we caught one of them on video. We don't want to miss out on the, the fun and the celebration that happens in the foyer as people celebrate great things. We, we don't want to miss out on the... I don't know if you've ever watched a band rehearsal when somebody messes up monumentally and starts off in the wrong key. Like it, it's, it's awesome. And I love this church because they just laugh it off. So it's like, ha, ha, that was terrible. Let's try again. Yeah, and, ha, 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 ha. and it's all cool. It's, it's like everyone's together. They're unified because they're serving God with all their gifts. You just started in the wrong key or just got the wrong whatever and, and it's, it's okay we all make mistakes but there, there's a beauty in the, the being together the, in the journey <clears throat> warn those who are idle because you're missing out encourage the disheartened help the weak and be patient with everyone we need to do that one really quickly joking joking jo- yeah, yeah all good <clears throat> In verse 15, it says this line, always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always, pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances. I love the word, but always strive to do what is good. Strive to do. Because the word strive means that we're going to mess up at times, aren't we? But the strive is the decision. We strive, we choose to do good. There's going to be times when we, we mess up. There's going to be times when life happens. There's going to be times when, when emotion will get the most of us or maybe ignorance or whatever it is, and we're going to make a mistake. But we strive. When we choose, we choose to do good. We choose the community. We choose our brothers and sisters. We choose to put God first. We strive. It's actually a, a word that we have in our vision for York Street. We strive to be a large church. Why do we want to be large? Well, it's not about us. It's just people don't know who Jesus is. And if people don't know who Jesus is, our job's not done. So we strive to be a large church that values families and reaches communities beyond our own. That's who we are. At times, we fail on those sort of three things, on, on evangelism, on family focus, and on reaching other communities, helping those outside. But we strive. When we choose, we choose those things. This is saying, choose to do good. And it says, for each other and everyone else. Firstly, each other is the church. Choose to do good to each other in the church because once we're united, then everybody else. It's here first. Now, so much of what we say is it's about, it's about mission, it's about mission, it's about what we do in the week. And it's true. But you need to know that when you come here, this is a safe space. 
This is an encouraging space. This is a unified space. This is a space where you can share your burdens and learn so that you can learn the skills and, and be encouraged and be prayed for as you do go out there. We strive to do good to each other and everyone else. Rejoice always. Have you ever tried to rejoice when you've stubbed your toe? Yeah. Like, thanks God for feet. You know, it's really hard. When, you, when, you're, when you're in pain, it's really hard to rejoice. But we choose it. We choose to, to change your thoughts and go, okay, I'm going to let the pain subside and then I'm going to find something to, re- to find some good in the mix of the pain. And sometimes it does take time. Sometimes it's like, well, I will never walk there again because that was dangerous. And that's a good, you can rejoice that. That's okay. Um, same with praying continually. Like praying continually isn't just saying that, that you've got to pray and don't stop. It's, it's the communication with God. Is God a part of your rhythm of life? Are you spending time saying, hey, God, I'm, I'm about to do this. Can, can you be with me? I'm about to make a decision. Can you fill me with your spirit? Help me to make the right decision. God, I've got this stuff going on there today and I need some help. Hey, God, I just see this person and I just, my heart's going out to them and I don't know what it is, but can you just do what you need to do for them? And if I'm called to do it, Help me to, to discern what that action is. Um, you know, being those little prayers throughout the day is what it is to, to be praying continually and giving thanks in all circumstances. We choose to find God because we've put him number one. And this is about choosing to find God in all areas of life. I want to say that, that because of COVID, we have an incredible opportunity with, with the, the online ministry that we wouldn't have had pre-COVID. We had some ideas and we wanted to do some stuff, you know, with the online space. And we'd never want to go back and do COVID again. Like, that was horrible. Let's never do that. Ever, 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 ever. (laughs) But because of COVID, 100 households every single Sunday get to worship and hear God's word. Every Sunday. It then goes on for the next few weeks and about another 50 households watch. That's 150 extra households that get to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ because of what happened through COVID. We, we, we celebrate what God did. We don't, God didn't cause COVID and all this, we're not going to get caught up with COVID again, but because of COVID, we have an incredible online ministry. I had another couple today after the nine o'clock service because everyone heads up north for a bunch of months. Um, don't know why you'd ever try and go north during a Ballarat winter, but anyway. Um, and they all head up for a few months and grab their caravans and Winnebago's, I hear, that, that are all heading up north. And, you know, great way to, to get away and, and get to the warmer weather. But just because you physically can't be here doesn't mean spiritually you can't. You can still tune in and watch church. Those that are unable to, to physically get here because of uh, their, their stage of life or that they need carers and, and it's, so, um, it's hard if you're a resident in a care facility to get out at 9 o'clock to get to the traditional service, they can still tune in and watch church online. Those that are sick, um, and we know there's a lot of people sick at the moment, can still tune in and watch church online because we have this incredible ministry, this incredible gift, incredible teams serving week in and week out that are because of COVID, we choose to give thanks in all circumstances of what God can do in his through his people. Verse 21, hold on to what is good, reject all kinds of evil. Verse 24, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. 
Verse 25, brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all God's people with a holy handshake. And I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read out to all of the brothers and sisters. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. See, when we focus on Jesus, everything shifts. When we put Jesus number one in our life, everything shifts. Our life shifts. Our priority shifts. Our viewpoint shifts. We see others how Jesus sees them, and we act differently because we have Jesus in us. Whether it's the young girl at State Youth Games who's seeing a glimpse of the kingdom of heaven, or it's someone who's choosing to serve Christ in whatever way that is, whether it's work, home, sports, field, recreation, emails, whatever that looks like, when you put God first, you see people differently and you act differently because Christ is in you. This is what it is to be united. We are to celebrate what Christ has done in and through others, acknowledging those who do hard work, not because of them, but because of the one that they're working for, because of the power that they're allowing God to to use them to do for the impact of the kingdom. We warn those who are idle because we don't want them to miss out. And God has stories that he wants to be told in and through you, and Jesus deeply wants to reveal more of himself to you. So please don't be idle. This is a church that's been built on unity. People who gave themselves for the kingdom of God. This church is built on faith. Faith of a small congregation 130 years ago that met in someone's backyard who put Jesus first and came together to pray. Came together to to open God's word. Came together for community. The same reasons that we come together today. It's our legacy. It's our our heritage. We, We sit in a building The heat is absolutely thumping this morning. It's really hot up here. I don't know if it's warm down there. It's cozy. Nice and warm in a Ballarat Sunday because people came together united and this building was built by members of the church who gave their time and energy. And I've heard stories of when this was built in the 80s. There There was times of frustration when people were like, oh, getting cranky with one another because of the abilities. Ability and what are we talking about when we're talking about people's abilities? Human stuff and there's limits on that and that could have caused divide but people kept focusing on Jesus and because they focused on Jesus he got built there was unification in the goal the process maybe a bit of division but the unification on the goal of creating a space to worship Jesus brought people together and this was built and for for close to 30 years We've seen people come and worship God week in and week out. People go through the waters of baptism, which is under the drum kit for the visitors. I'm just not pointing to the drum kit and talking about baptism. That would be weird. Um, but, but people that have been baptized yeah, year after year. Oh, you only get baptized once, but different people baptized each year after year. We'll get there. Because of people that were so focused on Jesus Christ, they came together and built a space for worship. We make mistakes, we do, but we strive to do what is good. We choose to do what is good. The combined power that is seen in this church, missionaries raised up and headed overseas. Come tomorrow night and hear more about it. We've seen pastors raised up and sent out, and we see incredible things happening all over this nation. Blake Moore just finished a building in Devonport in Tasmania, one of our previous pastors, that he raised somewhere between one 
one and a half to two million dollars in a little church in Devonport to build this incredible facility. Absolutely incredible. They, they cut his teeth, got his training, made mistakes, learned, grew, strived to do good here at York Street and was equipped and empowered to be sent out. We see so many stories because of people unified in Jesus Christ serving. And this church has a rich heritage of being unified and sending people out. As a church, we long to see Jesus move in and through our city. We're not satisfied with the ordinary, but for the sake of God, the gospel, there are no limits on what we will do to see people one. This is what it is to be a part of the, G- the church of Jesus Christ. And this is what it looks like to have one faith. What I want to invite you to do today as we we finish the series is to have that one faith. What is it to have one faith? It's it's to accept the gospel, the the good news of Jesus Christ. What is the good news? The good news is that Jesus loves you so much that he made a way for you to have a relationship with your loving Heavenly Father. If you'd like to accept that gospel today, I'm going to lead you through a prayer. But maybe there's some of you today also that's like, well, maybe I haven't been striving enough. Maybe I've been choosing my own ideas, my own actions. I've been trying to do stuff myself. And instead of having Jesus where he should be, I've been putting myself up there. And it's not working out. It's causing divide. It's causing division. And I don't want that. I want the unification thing that we read about in Scripture. If that's you, we're going to have an opportunity to pray a prayer and the prayer has three parts to it it's really simple and you can pray it anywhere you don't have to pray it here you can teach it to your friends sorry thank and ask the the sorry part is that the first part of coming before God is to realize that when we try and do stuff ourselves, it's never good enough and so we say sorry for some of you if, if it's your first time praying this prayer it's like God I'm sorry that I haven't chosen you before I've made bad decisions because of that For others, it's like, sorry, God, I've let your priorities slip again in my life and I haven't been striving to do what's good. I've been striving to do stuff that's my way and I want to put you back in there. I'm sorry. The second thing we need to understand is we need to acknowledge that we cannot do anything on our own. That's the sorry part because we've tried and failed. It's only through what Jesus did on the cross that we can be saved. And so we need to thank God for what Jesus did on the cross. God loved us so much, he sent his son to die on a cross, to take the the punishment for our sins, but also he rose again. And so we say sorry for doing the wrong thing. We thank God for sending his son, Jesus Christ. And then we ask Jesus into our heart. When Jesus died, he rose again and he sent his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's the thing that that speaks to us, that prompts us, that that when we, we pray, it's the thing that guides us to make the right questions. And we ask the Holy Spirit into our life. So either you can pray this for the first time or maybe you need to pray it again to realign and be unified with the body of Christ. I'd invite us all just to close our eyes as we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. We thank you that we are a church that is unified, not, not around a person, not around an ability, not around talents, but around Jesus Christ. And because of that, we have seen great things done for your kingdom through your people. Right now, God, we want to 
take a moment to say sorry. Sorry that we try to do things ourselves. Sorry for the times that we haven't placed you where you needed to be in our lives. Sorry for not choosing you sooner. Sorry for causing division. We thank you that through Jesus we are unified. We thank you that you sent your son. We thank you that he took our punishment on the cross. We thank you that he rose again. And we thank you that he sent his Holy Spirit. We ask that Holy Spirit into our life right now to guide us from this day forward to speak to us when we're confused and lost, to give us a sense that we are never alone, to help us through those hard decisions in life. Through your Holy Spirit, may we continually strive to put you first from this day forward in every area of our life so that we may be unified in one faith in Jesus Christ as your church, so that when others see us, they see you. When we help them, we help you. When we take a step, it's through your spirit for your purpose. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, or if something resonated within you, I'd really encourage you to, to come up the front after the service. We'd love to pray for you. Um, coming up the front, there's nothing special about the front. It's just an easy spot to locate people. Um, and if you see you coming up the front, we know what you're coming up for. Um, we'd love to pray. If you've prayed that prayer for the first time, we'd love to give you a Bible and spend some time with you just working out how to, how to read God's Word, how to pray, how, how do you start this journey. Had an incredible conversation just last Friday with the young guys getting baptized in the next few weeks who prayed that prayer about a month ago and it's just on the journey. It's exciting times. But maybe you've let the priorities slip. You've been trying to do stuff yourself. If you prayed that prayer, hey, come up again. Come up anyway. I would love to pray for you. You don't do this alone. This is the idea of being unified. There's no shame in coming up the front. We had a, a young mother um, baptized just earlier this year who hadn't been baptized because she was ashamed of what others would think. She'd been a part of the church and you know, had a profile and leadership and hadn't been baptized and didn't get baptized for a long time because she was worried about what others would see and what others would say. She shared that. She did a public baptism in front of the church and shared that story and it was just super powerful, incredible. Don't let shame or anything stop you from, from doing life together. For, for that young mum, it was like a total release of a burden. We don't want us to be carrying burdens. We want us to be set free through the power of Jesus Christ. We'd love to pray with you after the service.